Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we're going to be diving into a full overview of the market, where we're currently at, where we're potentially heading, and what the signs are indicating, whether potentially the rates are going to increase, go down, everything in between, and whether or not you should be fearful of the recession that we're in right now, and whether or not right now is the best time for real estate or what it really looks like. If you want a true map, of where you're going, then identifying the numbers is very important. And the true data will always kind of point the direction. So this gentleman I met years ago, it's been a long time actually, that I met at a local RIA group. And Jerry constantly participates in monthly RIA groups here locally in San Diego. And going over the numbers, going over where we're currently at, the overview of the market, and have always been impressed. He's got a, a monthly newsletter that he sends out that I'm always you know, geeking out on and looking at all the data that he comes up with. And it's always been very eye-opening and something that I've always appreciated, his, his point of view on where we're currently at in the market. So without further ado, Jerry, Ryan, what's going on today? How are you today, brother? I'm doing great, Brandon. Looking forward to talking about the real estate market with you and, you know, and where the economy is in relation to real estate. I love it. So talk to me, anybody that doesn't know who you are, where you're from, everything in between, do you mind just giving your experience of real estate investing and so forth? Well, I'm originally from Chicago, but I've had homes in San Diego twice. And thank God I've had a home here for the last 11 years because it is where I live full time. But when I lived in Phoenix, I also had another home here. And I lived in Phoenix for 15 years between 1986 and 2001. But I think I bought my first property. It was a condo in Chicago. And that was in 1980. So what's that? 42 years ago? Something mm-hmm. like that. So I've owned properties for 40 some years. I've owned I'm comfortable in investing in three different areas, real estate, trustee investing, which is financing real estate deals. And I do quite a bit of that here in San Diego. And I know this is a little contrarian to a real estate podcast or real estate investment group, but I'm also very comfortable in the stock market as well. I've been investing in stocks for a long, long time. I love it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, stocks aren't bad as long as you know what the heck you're doing, right? And and pray to God that Elon Musk doesn't tweet something crazy to make you know my stocks go down. But maybe it could be beneficial when you jump back in, you know? Well, believe it or not, equities are very similar to real estate. They're both very interest rate sensitive. And we've seen a lot of volatility this year in both of those asset classes, mm-hmm. both real estate and stocks. But because stocks are traded on a central platform, it just typically moves much quicker than real estate. That's true. I love it. And have you messed around with crypto at all? No. With, uh, liquidity? Okay. No. Have you? I have, yes. Mm-hmm. I refuse to call crypto an investment. 
It's pure speculation. Very good. I love it. So talk to me, when it comes down to the market that we're seeing right now, there's a lot of fear out there right now. I'm sure you've noticed the last six months or so, last year, with just how things are going in the market and just the overall supply kind of starting to double up, triple up and so forth. What is your feedback? I'd love to hear you know, why things are taking place and overall the, the numbers behind everything. Well, first of all, let me just talk to you about that word you used, fear. Yeah. I think that there's probably some people who do have some fear right now. And I think those people are probably either A, over leveraged, mm. or B, bought the high watermark in the market, thinking that the market was going to keep on going up and it would bail them out. And it's not. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, when interest rates rise, which we have seen them rise very quickly this year, you know, there's a simple axiom, and that is when interest rates rise, asset prices decrease. Yep. And we've seen it in both stocks, the equity market and the real estate market. And, you know, <laughs> there's a 7,000 year history of that taking place. So I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone. But if you're not a student of history, that could inject a little bit of fear into you. So, you know, the reality is, as these rates have risen, you are seeing in some zip codes and in, in some areas of the county, you're starting to see a, a regression to the mean, mm -hmm. meaning that prices are starting to move back to a more normalized growth rate. And, you know, what we did see from the outset of COVID until actually all the way up, up into April, May of this year is the price of residential real estate or the, the growth rate, actually the growth rate of residential real estate was way outside of the historical norm. And when growth rates are outside of the historical norm, you are you at some point there will be something to bring it back into uh, that median price range. You know, typically residential real estate grows at about one to three percent over the rate of inflation. Mm. When you have year-over-year -year gains in real estate at twenty percent. Oh yeah, the last several years. I mean, twenty to in some cases even twenty-eight percent. I believe, right? Um, it's the market share. So yeah. you know, yeah, hey, what the Fed has set out to do is slow down a several different aspects of the economy. And real estate is just one of those aspects of the economy. They've seen this white hot real estate market growing at over 20% a year. Believe me, they can put the brakes on it because real estate is highly leveraged and highly interest rate sensitive. Yeah. And so the two spikes that we've seen this past year from the Fed increasing the rates, that is something that I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's quite healthy for what is needed right now in many aspects, correct? Correct. And so this is holding back, you know, it's really cutting out people that cannot afford real estate right now. There there were plenty of people the last few years because the interest rates were at the historically lowest rate, you know, in such a very long time. So when they stayed that low for so long, the people that could afford at just a, you know, a couple thousand dollars per month to get into these big homes. Now they're kind of getting cut out of that. And it's really 
you know, that it's people that the interest rates are higher. We see a lot of people that could afford it potentially, but are still kind of waiting on the sidelines. Have you noticed that as well? And, and look, these lower interest rates created these lower payments. People buy a payment. Yeah. Yeah. And they were able to get these lower payments, which increase the price or the uh, or the value of the current value of these residential properties. And now that these interest rates have risen, they can't afford as much. So buyers can do one thing. They can hold out for their price or they can cut their price and we'll see what happens. And some markets, you'll probably see some pretty steep price cuts. Mm. Front page of the Wall Street Journal today talked about uh, how investors aren't buying homes anymore in Phoenix and Las Vegas, mm. which are very volatile yeah. real estate markets. You're not going to run out of land in Phoenix anytime soon, you know, and there's no ocean. And then every realtor will tell you, but it's got a view of the mountains. Everything has a view of the mountains in Phoenix. <laughs> it's in a valley. Yeah, yeah. And you've got a lot of buildable land. The only thing that can hold Phoenix back on the growth rate is, you know, jobs, water, or heat. And, uh, you know, land is relatively cheap there compared to California. And same is true in Vegas. So we'll see. But people just aren't buying in, in these, you know, certain markets right now. Well, there's people buying. There's still going to be a distressed seller somewhere. Yeah, there's still going to be a, yeah somebody that's going to drop it extremely low because of the distress. And that's what we're seeing a lot right now. There's the supply is getting stacked up on top of each other because it's not the buying frenzy that we had six months ago when you would have a property on the market for two to three days and you would have 10 to 15 offers. It's not that market anymore. However, people still need to have a place. What we have noticed, though, is people that are still even actively looking for properties that can afford it. I feel like a majority of them are still for like their primary residence, not as an investment, but primary residence. They are still kind of they have a lot to shop around for now and they're taking their time. And I'm curious if a lot of people it's it's either a fear mentality or they believe that there's going to be some huge price deduction in the next six months or so that they want to take advantage of. Kind of curious your feedback on that. Look, from the high water mark in April, mm. I can go to the slide of the presentation that I just did back yeah. on uh, November 15th at the North San Diego Club. Here you go. Median price in East County, San Diego is down 9.3%. Median, and this is for detached housing. Median price in the Metro from the high water mark in April. These are October median this is comparing April, the high water mark, and where we're at today for the late, latest set of data we've gotten in October. So East County down 9.3%, Metro down 11.4%, South County, San Diego down 10.4%, North County, San Diego down 12.8%. Mm. The market's in a correction. Oh, for sure. So in the stock market, when the, when the S&P 500 is down 10% from the high, that's called a correction. When it's down 20%, that's a bear market. Detached housing, probably in the in a correction. How low is it going to go from the peak? I don't know. Depends on how high these interest rates go. Are they going to level off for your 30-year fix? Is supply going to build? Probably. Mm. The reality is you go across all four areas of San Diego County, 
month supply at about 1.9. You know, typically a market's right around three to six percent right in there. So there's still pretty thin inventory out there. It's what's happened is with the rise in interest rates, they have just softened the demand. There's still a lot of demand out there. Mm-hmm. Millennials are a huge demographic, but people buy the payment. We're probably going to see some regression to the mean and some of the pricing in some zip codes. Mm-hmm. Not all zip codes yeah. are going to suffer equally. It's just like the stock market. Yep. You can say we're in a bear market or we're in a correction, but not with energy stocks. Those yep. stocks are still doing extremely well. Yeah. So some markets are going to suffer more. Some zip codes are going to suffer more. We'll see what happens. But when you get distressed pricing, you also get opportunity for investors. So we'll see what happens. And where do you, you know, nobody's got that crystal ball, but do you have any uh, opinion on where do you think the next opportunity could be in the next six or 12 months? Because we're not at that worst point yet, right? It still could potentially get go lower until things get a little bit better in the future. Well, look, if you're talking about out of market Mm -hmm. properties. Yeah, nationwide. Nationwide, you know, look at those markets that were red hot during uh, COVID and Zoom. Boise, you've seen a lot of inventory build. Austin, Texas, you're seeing inventory build. Phoenix, Las Vegas. I just saw some the other day. I think year over year, inventory is up 174% in Phoenix. Wow. So now when you look at the San Diego market, where will the first opportunities be? Probably in East County, maybe Southeast. You know, I don't think you're going to see some of the big opportunities on the coast because those people probably have staying power. Mm-hmm. But typically what happens is, well, I'll put it this way. You know, ice, snow melts around the perimeter first. So I think that that's where you're going to see the initial pricing weakness happen here in San Diego County is out on the perimeter. Will it come into the coast? Depends on how deep this is. Sure. Yeah, that's good. I like that. And then so, you know, places like Phoenix and Arizona in general, you know, what we were just discussing, it sounds like there could be more opportunity for ground up construction at this point. I don't know. You know, I think they might. I I haven't done enough research on it, but I think they've probably got enough existing stock right there where you could probably go in and start buying properties that could be distressed. Mm. You know, if they have all that inventory on the market, I don't know why anyone would want to start building from ground up. Mm. But I could be wrong. You know, I mean, uh, I really have a 35,000 foot view. I'm not looking at, you know, little the smaller micro parts of the of the market itself, but that market has a long, long history yeah. of being overbuilt. Mm, and okay. you know, and what I love about San Diego is from El Camino to the coast, pretty tough to put in housing. Yeah. The only thing you can do is go vertical. And you know, when you get into markets like Phoenix, Vegas, you've got a lot of horizontal housing. You got a lot of the bigger properties, they're not going to run out of land. And every time there's a new development, it's just diluting the the value of the existing stock. Yeah, I mean, there's just barely any room out here in San Diego. <laughs> Luckily, we have our ADUs that we can build if, if you have the land for it. We finally, I live in Old Town, so we have a fault line that runs right behind ours. But we had to get a long, detailed geotech investigation there. And 
And it just came back that there was nothing found, which is great. So that means that we should be able to build as long as we go through the rest of the whole planning process. But some good news to be able to build two more units in the back where in such a market like this, it's very difficult to get anything extra here besides, like you said, building up if you can in your area. Cool. So talk to me, you know, your data, are you focusing on any other areas nationwide as heavily as you are in our own backyard for San Diego? I'll put it this way. I know Phoenix fairly well. Sure. I wouldn't own anything. This is just me personal, personally, because I don't want to manage. I don't want to get on airplanes and manage things. I know Chicago very well, too. I'm not going to buy anything in Chicago. I don't need to get on airplanes and manage properties in Chicago. And I wouldn't own anything in Illinois anyway. The state's a complete disaster. But I might own something in Phoenix. But I think there's enough opportunity right here in California. You know, you can't stop looking to acquire good assets. It doesn't matter if we're in a recession or in a bull market. You know, if you can find a good asset selling at a distressed price or something at a fair price that you can see where you have very good future cash flows, you buy it. And if not, you'd wait. And when we get a good recession, you know, once you get a good recession, everything goes on sale. Yeah. And then the greatest alternative asset you can own is cash. Mm, I like that. You just mentioned recession. And for a while, the president was stating that we weren't in a recession, but all the signs were showing that we were. I don't know if anybody ever came out and said like, yeah, it's affirmative. We're fully in. I, I believe just everybody can see the writing on the wall. But what is your opinion on the recession? Like, are we fully in one? Are we getting closer into one? When did we jump into one and so forth? Well, I'll answer it a couple different ways. When your neighbor loses his job, that's a recession. When you you lose your job, that's a depression. But let me put it to you this way. Two quarters of negative GDP, quote unquote, is a recession. Mm. Now, the first and second quarter of 2022, we have negative GDP. Very slight, but we had negative GDP. Sure. Are we in a recession? At this point, we're probably in a very mild recession. We had positive, supposedly we had positive GDP in the third quarter. Yes. The great predictor of recessions is the inverted yield curve. We've had an inverted yield curve for the past three to four months. And even if you go back six months, we were going in and out of an inverted yield curve. And what causes that recession is simply this. Banks have a tendency to borrow short and lend long, but they can't do that when short-term rates become higher than long-term rates. Mm -hmm. What that does is that starts to tighten the credit market. We're already in a a tighter credit market. So some of the effects that, you know, there are people who are in tough shape out there right Mm -hmm. now. I don't think housing is anywhere near it was in 06, 07, 08, 2009, 2010, because at that point, you just had some leading up to that. You have just very, very poor credit standards that were lending, and too many people bought houses that shouldn't have owned them, and was part of the reason why they created the Great Recession, which created this housing debacle. I think you're going to have in 2023 and 2024, you will probably have more notices of default filed. You'll have more trustee sales, which 
could create some more opportunity for real estate investors, but it won't nearly be what it was yeah. in 2008, 2009. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole different, you know, it's not apples to apples. It's a different type of experience that everybody went through back then with what the banks were kind of just promoting and getting people to lock into an adjustable versus a fix and so forth that couldn't qualify for anything that shouldn't have been able to qualify for anything, but we're instantly getting approved for all these things. It just didn't make sense. Hoping that the market would go up and they would refi every six months. It just didn't add up. So how long do you think this is going to last for? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's the big question on everybody's minds right now, because it's usually just at what, a year and a half to two years in many cases. However, this could be something that really gets dragged out, I feel like. Well, like they say, crystal balls go on sale every year, the week after Halloween. Yeah. So trying to predict all this is useless. Sure. You have to realize that investing is all about placing bets on the future. Yep. And the future is unknown. And people have paid great sums to other people thinking they could tell them the future and no one's been able to do it accurately yet. Mm -hmm. So my thought is, if you feel we are getting into a rough patch in the economy, prepare yourself for it. Take a look at how deep is your leverage. Do you have cash available to take advantage of a recession? And if you're prepared, you're not afraid. It's just that simple. And how long could this last? I don't know. Events are not predictable in the future. No one could have predicted 9-11. If I would have told you in August of 2019 that the whole world would be shutting down in March and April of 2020. You would have thought I was absolutely out of my uh, out of my mind. Yeah. Who could have predicted COVID? That's true. So, you know, the world is a random place. Something could happen that could tip us into a much deeper economic recession, or there could be factors that change it where it becomes fairly mild. So I think as opposed to trying to predict it, just be prepared. Just be prepared if you think we're going into a tight spot. And so being prepared, you're saying, look at where you're at currently with leverage, make sure that you have risk tolerance with that and be cash heavy with opportunities that are in front of you. Yeah. Now with inflation very high right now, is that still something that, you know, I, I know there's people out, like me out there that it drives them crazy when they see too much money sitting in the bank, knowing that it's getting cut by eight, nine, 10% or what could potentially be closer to 20% each year right now. What would you say to somebody like that? It's part of the risk tolerance of getting ready for opportunities that come your way. Or is there certain things that you would say, put into certain quick investments that you can liquidate fast? You could do that. You could put your cash into very short term investments to get a, a better yield. Sure. But think of it like this, Brandon. If you think you're sitting on cash, Warren Buffett's sitting on about 120 billion yeah. in cash. So along comes COVID. When COVID hit, he was sitting on close to 160 billion in cash. Okay. And I'm watching the stock market get annihilated day after day. Mm -hmm. Having a little bit of cash on hand is a perfect opportunity to buy Berkshire Hathaway stock because if the world goes down, He's going to be the last man standing with all that cash. Hmm. So I never worry about having too much cash on hand because I can think of a lot of other 
things that are a lot worse than that. Yeah. Like having too much leverage and no cash. Yeah. So, you know, when you have cash, you are going to be able to find opportunities that work for you. Yeah, that's so good. That really is. What's worse than not, you know, having your money just sit in the bank and and not make anything for the time being? Having no cash, right? (laughs) Having no cash or even worse than having no cash, over leveraging yourself into something that isn't going to perform and that's draining your cash. You know, that's not good either. Or buying crypto at about 60 some thousand dollars. Yeah. A Bitcoin. That's bad because it ain't coming back anytime soon. It may never come back. Yeah, that's true. Well, I love that. That's so good. It comes down to calculated risk, looking at the numbers, where things are at right now. And yeah, I mean, just having your risk tolerance kind of on point for where the market could be taking us, but at least knowing where we're at today and making your best decisions moving forward. So I love this. I'll give you another great example of just having some cash and sitting around looking for something to do. Yeah. Remember in April of 2020 when when oil went negative? Mm. What a great time to buy oil stocks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that during COVID, the stock market hit an all-time high, what, 36 times or something? Something crazy. Dow went to 36,000, yeah. Yeah. Well, 36 36 times, it constantly hit a new record high throughout the year. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Why do you think it happened? Because they were pumping so much money into the economy. You had money. Look, as I say, the good times. We were all locked down. COVID was rampant, but money was free. Yeah. So you know what? When you have low interest rates, what did low interest rates do? It pumped up the equity market stock and it pumped up the real estate market. Yeah. So those two asset classes, very interest rate sensitive. And a lot of times they move in unison. Stock market moves more quickly just because it's a centrally traded platform. That's good. Yeah, I love that. Well, Jerry, I appreciate your time today so much. I, I know it's uh, just your wealth of knowledge when it comes down to the market overview and, and understanding where we're currently at. How can people get a hold of you or contact you and potentially even get on your market overview? I'm very simple to get a hold of. Yeah. My email is jerryryan at crescentr.com. Crescent R was my cattle brand in Arizona when I lived there. So it's jerryryan at crescentr.com. And I do real estate lending. I also buy assets occasionally in real estate. And I have an old Chicago phone number, 312-287-5279. Give me a call. I mean, you tracked me down. It wasn't that tough. I typically return. I'm better with email than texting. Mm. Typically try to return every email day of or the next day and every phone call day of or the next day. And that's where we're at. I love it. Well, I appreciate your time today. Guys, if you want to get a hold of me, you can always do so on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments, otherwise Facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you are looking to truly get educated on the credit space right now and everything that we are teaching people how to really think like the banks and flip the script on the banks, getting several hundred thousand at zero percent interest so that you could be able to invest in calculated risk like real estate then what you can do is go to www.creditcounselelite.com. That's creditcounselelite.com. And you can watch a hour-long webinar that will explain all the possibilities of credit for you guys. 
If you have any questions for me, then reach out. Otherwise, hit that subscribe button for Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Leave that five-star review. Greatly appreciate all the love, support, and sharing this out to everybody else. Talk soon, guys. God bless. All right. Thank you. See ya. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.